The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. We originally thought, let's do it live. We'll do the hot sauce thing live, but who would be able to speak after that? It was brutal. It was terrible. And I love that Eli gets the questions from uh, Adrian, Ryan's wife, and they're about chickens. And I don't know why that was, um, but his questions were a little bit harder. I want you to know, uh, we were asked, I think, five questions each. I got all of mine right. So I just want you to know, um, which makes me an amazing father. Just kidding. Um, I'm just joking. But uh, hey, we're going to jump in today. Love Where You Live, part three is today. And we're going to be in Genesis 4. If you got a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn there. Genesis 4 is where we're going to land. And uh, my daughter, who's home from school, our oldest daughter, um, who's home from school, um, is hanging out this summer. And we pre-recorded a bunch of Dateline episodes because her and I love to watch Dateline. I know that makes us weird, but we do. And by the way, anybody out there watch Dateline? Anyone? So some of us, yeah. Keith Morrison is easily the best host, right? I mean... Incredible. Um, my, my daughter was down in, in Newport. She works at Starbucks in Newport Beach and uh, Keith Morrison came in to get a drink. She's like, oh my gosh, Keith Morrison. And so anyway, um, but she got to meet him and, and uh, said, oh, we watch you all the time. My dad and I like, said, hi to your dad. So Keith Morrison said hi to me. So just kidding. Um, but uh, we watched Dateline and uh, it's, it's always... Uh, if you watch Dateline, it's, they, they, it's about murder and it's unfortunate, but um, a lot goes on in that show that you see, but I want you to understand something that probably, I don't know the stats exactly, but a high majority of what happens on Dateline, um, the murders involve some form of jealousy or envy. And I feel like James, when he was writing to the church in James chapter four, James was writing, warning us about Dateline. So maybe you never heard this before, but that's what James maybe was doing, maybe was doing when he said this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come, listen, from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And today I wanna take some time to talk about this because it's easy in so many ways for you and I to write off these conversations, but my hope would be that I'm able to make at least a few points that helps us all understand that when you look at what, what scripture reminds us about when it comes to jealousy, envy, or covetousness really does apply to all of us. And while it may not apply to you directly today, there's no doubt that sometime later this week, that sometime this summer, that sometime this year, you're going to battle jealousy, envy, or covetousness. So I admit that there's some examples in my own life, one being this, I know I say it a lot, but we got guys on our staff like Hunter and Ryan and Aaron, and they're all like seven and a half feet tall. And I know I refer to them as Philistines, but I feel like Frodo um, when I'm around them. And so, and so I feel a little jealous that they're taller and I never got to be six, four or six, eight or whatever they are. So that's one. Another one, and this is what's happening at 46 years old in my life. Another one is, man, some of you guys have way better hairlines and way less gray than I do. And I feel a little jealous of that now because more and more I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's heading back further and further. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's where I live. And then another one for me, just being honest here is especially this year with the weather, I can't keep up, but in the neighborhood I live in, I drive through and I'm like, man, their lawn looks good, man, their lawn looks good. And I look at my lawn and go, are you kidding me right now? Um, and I feel a little bit of that kind of creeping up. And, and again, maybe you do too. I think if we were all completely honest, we would admit that jealousy can be a struggle. 
And I wanna bring it up today because a lot of times in our lives, we want what we don't have. We long for what someone else has. In fact, the way sometimes in our world, in our lives, this plays out is this idea that, you know, when you think about your life, okay? Think about however old you are and where you're at. Think about it this way. When you were younger, maybe you were, you know, five or six or whatever you were, and you were just like, I can't wait to get the training wheels off my bike. And they finally came off and you're like, this is awesome. And you're riding your bike for a few years and you got to 12 or 13 years old. And you thought, man, I can't wait to drive someday. And once I drive, I will have arrived, right? And then you got your license and you drive. And now you're like, now if I can, you know, just, just graduate high school or something. And okay, now then you graduate high school and, and, and then, it, you know, there, there's more things that come along. I want to, I can't wait someday to get married. And that, boy, that, that's going to be when I finally arrive. And on and on, this game gets played that, that man, I, I, now I, you know, I went to college. I graduated college. Okay, I finally got married. Now I want to have a kid. Now I want to have two. Now I want to, you know, have four kids. What a joke, four kids. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I, we have four kids and, so, and I love it. But you, know, you, you think that at some point, once we get to, you know, fill in the blank, I get the promotion. I get the, that, that, that pay that someday seems like really a milestone or I get to that retirement thing or, you know, what, I finally die or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I know that's a terrible, you're, like, you're like, why did I even come today? Really, this is Father's Day and this is what he's doing. Um, so, but, but there's something about in the lives that we live that, that you will have arrived when you get to fill in the blank. And, and we look at life that way a lot of times. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's the worst thing to think about what's coming, but in so many ways, there's a sense sometimes of jealousy because somebody else has arrived where you want to be because somebody else got what you feel like you should have. And what happens sometimes with jealousy and envy is it starts out as, man, I'd love to have that. Man, I want that, but, but something creeps in where it becomes a, a consuming thing and, and, and it becomes sometimes a negativity. Let me give you some of the clues to the blind spots that you and I have about jealousy or envy or covetousness. Do you or do we fantasize about someone else's life and what it would be like to live their life? Does sometimes that fantasy move into what I would call an anger fantasy, where instead of just going, man, I wish I had that life, you feel angry that they get that life and you don't? Have you ever been in that place? How about maybe feeling slighted when somebody else gets attention and you don't, or somebody else gets a promotion and you don't? How about sometimes it plays out in families where there's this idea of, well, you're the favorite kid or they're the favorite kid or I'm the favorite kid and it's a game that my kids play. You know, well, we, I know I'm your favorite. Like, no, you're not. You're all our favorite. Yeah, we can't all be your favorite. Who's really your favorite? Anybody with multiple kids play this game? Yeah, isn't it a fun one? Like there's no end to it. And you try to say, we love you all equally. Like that's impossible. No, it's not. And so anyway, but it plays out like that. Another one, do you, and this is similar to what I just said, anger, anger, but do you think negatively? When somebody around you gets something that you want or buys a new car or toy or home or whatever it be, and you think this way, how in the world can they afford that? Instead of celebrating or being grateful, that's really awesome and celebrating with them, instead you move to, how can they afford that? Or no wonder both of them have to work two jobs and they're always busy. Or whatever kind of negativity creeps in in those moments, jealousy, covetousness, anger. The greatest problem with this conversation is this. It's impossible to enjoy your life when you're constantly looking at everyone else's. And yet that's the world that we're taught to live in. We're, 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 we're taught, we're, we're literally constantly being you know, raised up to look at the lives of others. It's why you see commercials and go, wow, if only I could be there and do that. 
If only I could achieve this or that. If only I could get that thing, that would finally create a level of happiness in my life. And that's the way that we're bred as consumers. And it creeps into even church world. Let's be honest. I mean, I gotta be honest with you too. I'm gonna go back to Dateline a few times here today, but I think of Dateline and there are contexts when you watch Dateline of people that are church people. They go to church, they do the church thing, they love Jesus. And yet somehow certain things creeped into their lives that began to consume one of them or all of them. And it becomes a mess that they say, I never thought I would be on Dateline. I never thought my family would end up here. And it's subtle, which is why I'm saying, please tune in to what I'm talking about today. Don't tune out because today, it doesn't apply to you. At some point, it might. And this is a warning for you and for me. Uh, a pastor friend that I've gotten to know a little bit uh, is, is named Greg Ford, and he said this, and I actually took a picture of it on social media. He, Greg Ford said this, jealousy is often a red flag that something is trying to take over your identity. Jealousy is often a red flag that something is trying to take over your identity. And at the end of the day, at the root of this entire conversation is an enemy at work trying to create in you and trying to create in me an ongoing displeasure, an ongoing dissatisfaction, and our joy ends up being stolen from our lives. Genesis 4, to me, is one of the most stark examples of where jealousy and, and envy creeps in and creates a real mess. How many of you guys have heard the story of Cain and Abel before? Yeah, a lot of us have. If you've never heard it, you might've heard it mentioned in a movie or a TV show. That's as ugly as Cain and Abel or as old as Cain and Abel or whatever. But, but Genesis 4 is the story starting in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it or rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And now you are under a curse. Jesus, today, open our hearts to this conversation. I pray for humility in all of us. This isn't for everyone except me. This isn't for everyone except them or that person. It's for all of us because at certain points in our lives, this is a struggle we face. And I pray for you to open our hearts that where there's even a small bit of jealousy, even a small portion of envy or covetousness, that we become aware of it and deal with it. Because if not, it's tragic where it can lead. God help us in Jesus name. Amen. Cain and Abel are brothers, and, and you've maybe read this story before and thought to yourself, why is it that one offering was accepted and the other wasn't? It seems unfair that this is the case, and I don't understand. But if you get into the details of what's going on here, you have to look at the words that are key. And it says specifically, it says, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. So remember that, some of the fruits of the soil. 
of the soil and God didn't look favorably. But it says for Abel specifically, and again, the words here matter, Abel also brought an offering, verse four, fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. The, the, the detail here, and we're gonna get to a point in First John, I'll read in a few moments, but the detail here isn't specifically what was brought in that one brought grain and the other brought fat portions of an animal. It had more to do with what was going on in their hearts. It had more to do with an attitude in their soul that mattered to a great degree because Abel has a certain reverence. The words here imply, and First John talks about, imply a certain reverence that Abel had and Cain came flippantly and with an attitude. And we see that play out in the coming verses. And so here's Cain and he brings some random offering and Abel brings the fat portions. And if you get to the, the temple and sacrifice and, and the altar, that meant a great deal as you continue on in the Old Testament. But Abel brought something with reverence while Cain did not. And so that's why it says the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, God did not look with favor. And I want to challenge you and I want to remind you on one hand, I can say for all of us, we look at our lives and go, if only I could get to that place, if I, only I could own that home or that car or have that marriage or whatever it might be. And we, we sort of covet when we get to that place. But, but let me say it this way for some of us in the room. Some of you drove here today and I wanna challenge you with this. Maybe you didn't come with a sense of reverence. Maybe you didn't come with a sense of awe at God, finding yourself in a place of surrender. Maybe you drove onto the lot and you had a sideways attitude because it was raining. Maybe you came into the lot and you didn't find your parking space or somebody was sitting in your seat. How dare they? Because we had your name embroidered on it and that's yours. Maybe you walked in and as the music played, you immediately thought, it's too loud. I don't like this song. Why do they sing that way? Why is that instrument turned to that volume? And you're distracted by all of those things. Let me challenge you. Are you coming in with a sense of reverence and surrender? Or are you coming with a critical attitude about peripheral things? See, it's easy to look at this and go, I don't quite understand that. But do you understand what's going on in your own heart? Do you understand what's happening right where you're at today? Because the challenge is it's easy to write it off and it's other people. But what happens when you begin to identify certain things that are in you? Cain didn't have the kind of reverence he needed to have like Abel did. And that's where, and I memorized these verses years ago, that's where the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? When was the last time you got angry? Was it okay? Was it the right thing? Did you respond the way you needed to with that emotion or did you burn bridges? On a scale of one to 10, did something happen that dictates a one or a two on the scale and you got to a five or an eight or a 10 real quick? The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? I want you to understand that those words are not just he felt an emotion and, and, and didn't know what to do. Those words include, if you're translating it, the word indignant. Cain became hostile. Cain was dejected. Cain lost his temper. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And then this warning for all of us, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? 
his heart was in the wrong place. He scraped together some stuff from the grain and brought it to the Lord with an attitude of flippancy. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But, and this is the warning, if you do not do what is right. If you and I continue to allow things like jealousy, things like covetousness, things like discontentment until you arrive at a certain place in life, if you allow that to remain there, God says to you and I, sin desires to have us. It's crouching at our door. But we must master it. We must deal with it. We've got to confront the fact that there are things in our hearts that are going to destroy us. As I said earlier, I don't know a lot of people on Dateline that went, I knew I was gonna end up on Dateline one day. It's just on my bucket list. You're like, that's a psycho. Right, on every one of our unwritten bucket lists is don't end up on Dateline. People that show up, I didn't, I didn't know this could happen. I didn't know he was that angry. I didn't know she would resort to this. And if you've ever watched an episode, you're bound to stumble into that conversation. I had no idea this could happen. And it's a warning for you and me. We read the story of Cain and Abel, but the story of Cain and Abel is modern day Dateline. Or somebody in the lobby goes, if you like Dateline, watch 2020, it's even worse. And I don't know, I haven't watched 2020. But it really is a modern day stuff that goes on within the human heart when we're dissatisfied when we want what we shouldn't want, when we desire something we shouldn't desire. There's reasons why in your life and my life, God gives us certain guardrails and parameters to work within. It's not to keep us from certain things we could enjoy. It's to save us from the damage those things will cause. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, if you take inventory of your heart, if you stop and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with what's going on in here, the modern translation might read, it'll keep you from getting on Dateline. <laughs> deal with this stuff because you never know where it can lead if you don't. And there are plenty of people that have surprised themselves by what they've done in blind rage. First John, John is one of Jesus' disciples and, and most of us are aware they, they wrote letters back in their day to the churches and they're concerned for the direction life and society and the church was going. And, and, and John's reminder in 1 John, and he says this over and over, by the way, because it's a major theme, because it was a major problem. 1 John says this in chapter two and then chapter three. Here's these verses. They'll be on the screen. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Those are strong words. But, verse 11, anyone who hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. 
It's amazing and, and it's easy to talk about and people, all of us have blind spots. But when you and I are given to a jealousy that causes a rift in a relationship, there are blind spots there and it's easy to allow in our blindness us to walk down a path we're not supposed to go. And so all of a sudden there's anger that creeps in. There's frustration. There's all this stuff that becomes more than we ever imagined. And that's part of John's point. If you hate you're walking with a major blind spot. And when you walk with a major blind spot, you're gonna stumble into a pit you may never have seen coming. It's a warning from 1 John. He goes on in chapter three, verse 11. So 1 John 3, 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And then he brings up a story I was mentioning from Genesis 4. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. At the core, Cain became jealous because of God's response. But at the core, it wasn't God's response. It was Cain's issue in his heart, as I've already said. John says Cain was jealous of God's acceptance of Abel's offering and his rejection. But there's an issue in him of irreverence. Let me go back to James as I already read it. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they not come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. Or when you ask God, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. When you and I spend our lives looking at the lives of other people thinking, when I get to that point, I will have arrived something's off. There's a yellow flag there that later becomes an orange flag that later becomes a red flag. If you want to love where you live, stop trying to live where you don't. We're in a series called love where you live, but you can't love where you live. If all you're wanting to do is live that person's life is have what they have. Let me ask you a few questions. How many of you in here got married when you were in your teens? How many got married when you were in your 20s? How many got married when you were in your 30s? Anybody get married in your 40s, 50s, 60s? I've done a wedding, somebody in their 80s and 90s, okay? How many of you had kids when you were in your teens? How many had kids when you were in your 20s? Anybody have kids when you were in your 30s, 40s? Okay. How many of you, anybody out there able to purchase a house when you were in your teens, anybody? I know one person, I have a friend who did, okay? There's at least one hand. Anybody purchase a house when you're in your 20s? Anybody purchase, <laughs> anybody purchase a house when you're in your 30s? 40s? 50s? 60s? How many of you have yet to purchase a house? Okay. Why do I bring all this? Not to shame anybody or, oh, now I know where they're at and where that's not that. No, no. Here's the deal. Your life is not their life. Your life is not his life and hers life. Our lives are different. And God doesn't have the exact same thing at the exact same time for everybody. There are individuals in here that are wired and gifted certain ways that that give you opportunities in certain places that others don't have. And we can't envy where they're at. 
It goes back to, to the point I'm trying to make. If you want to love where you live, stop trying to live where you don't. And yet we're groomed in our world to want what everyone else seems to have or what they seem to get or what that person gets to enjoy, but somehow God doesn't have that for you. And we get angry about it. We get frustrated, get bitter, jealous, envious. But what happens in us ought to be red flags when we're doing that. Because what happens at the core is entitlement. I deserve. And do you know how dangerous that attitude is? I'm entitled to it. I deserve it. And when it doesn't happen according to your timeline, the way you thought it should, in the manner you expected it to, it's easy for you and I to get bitter. But it comes out of a jealousy. Well, they got it. Well, they got there. They have that. They've arrived. It's an ugly thing in our lives when we live jealous. At the end of the day, it's about being content where we are. That doesn't mean we don't say at some point, I would love to enjoy, I would love to have, I would love to get to. But if in that want to get to those places, it causes a sourness for where we're at today, that's where it goes wrong. But how many of us are there? Like I said, we literally are groomed in our society to live like this. You you can't arrive in life until you fill in the blank. You can't arrive until, and you have your own version of whatever that fill in the blank is. But that's where the enemy gets us. And like I said, it's amazing what can happen in the human heart when we allow that to reign there. And at the end of the day, there's a jealousy, there's a covetousness. There's an envy of something someone else has arrived at. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. Hey bud, let's go watch the sunset. Let's go check out the amber waves of grain as they blow in the wind. Let's go hang out. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. And by the way, you probably pick up on this pretty easily. There's an attitude when he says it. I don't know. And then the phrase that's famous all over the place. Am I my brother's keeper? Do you know the answer to that question? Yep. Cain never got to the place of humility. Cain never got to the place of allowing the Holy Spirit's inventory in his heart, of dealing with what was there. And so in the end, he committed murder. And then after murder, there wasn't even regret. The Lord comes, what have you done? I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And the story goes downhill from there. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground and now you are under a curse. I don't think that there's many people that expected to be on Dateline, but it's a warning for us. Not only do you avoid certain people that are nuts, but to be aware of what resides within our own hearts. Could we ever get to the place 
where we want to do somebody harm because of what they've got that we never got. Because of where they've arrived that we never got there. Is it possible that that resides in us? And I'm telling you, across the board at certain points in our lives, the answer will be yes. It's possible for there to be that kind of jealousy in me. For there to be that kind of jealousy in you. Asking ourselves honest questions. Asking ourselves in those moments where we stop. And by the way, we're not good at stopping. Stopping and letting the Holy Spirit do some inventory. God, where is their jealousy? Where is their envy? Where do I covet? And you want to deal with it. Asking ourselves key questions that, that help filter out. What am I doing about these attitudes that reside in me? Is there entitlement, a sense of I deserve? And so I'm angry because I haven't got there yet. Other questions. Whose life are you trying to live? How good are you at guarding your heart? Because if you're taking notes, you can write down Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. Or another translation, for everything you do flows from it. What would it look like to live your best life, not somebody else's? And finally, do you trust that God has what's best for you? Do you trust that God has what's best for you? Before I pray, I'll briefly mention, and it's part of the reading plan, I think today, the story of David and Goliath. But there's a point in the story where Saul puts David's armor on him. Remember that? David's dressed in Saul's armor and he's like, I can't go in this, this isn't me. The only way David could find victory over Goliath was to be himself, was to do what he knew. And in the same way for you and me, if we wanna find victory over jealousy, don't feel like you gotta live somebody else's life. You wanna love where you live. Quit looking over the fence all the time. Quit thinking about what somebody else has that you haven't got yet. Quit comparing yourself to somebody else. You're not them. And be content where you're at today. Love where you live. Jesus, I pray. You would help us slay these giants in our lives of jealousy, of envy, of covetousness. And I pray that, that maybe possibly in some example or something I said today, each of us can understand this isn't they, them, those people I've dealt with this. It's something that at certain points will try to creep in indefinitely. But God, I pray we would discern it for what it is. If we find ourselves negative, why did they get that? How come they, why don't I ever? Jesus, I pray you would slay that stuff in us. Help us to be aware of taking inventory, of stopping and waiting and inviting your spirit to deal with what's inside. Wake us up to realize that each of us is capable of all kinds of negative things if we're willing to allow jealousy and envy and covetousness to reside in our hearts. Jesus, reveal it, that we can deal with it through your Holy Spirit, that we can live life the way we're intended to, love where we live, in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.